the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Generally, I'm doing way too many things that I don't need to be doing. And I really need to spend some more time doing what you've done, and that is really pushing things down and you know, sort of what we preach about making sure that you know, there's systems in place to do some of the routine things. This is going to be my focus for the next six months. Yeah, you've got to systemize, man. You've got to, yeah, I know, I know you're working on it, but I think that that's, that's going to relieve a lot of the pressure. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Do the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I am Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's going on, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, I'm excited. Getting ready to go to John Fisher's Mastermind event this week. It's going to be a pretty exciting event. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of our friends there and getting to share some of the issues we've been working on here at the firm and to learn from some really smart lawyers. I'm super jealous you're going down, Gary Berger's going down, a lot of people are going down, I guess not down, they're going up to Price Benowitz, it's going to be, they're hosting the, the mastermind, it's pretty awesome. I have a four to six week long jury trial starting in a few weeks, and so that's why I'm not going, because I'm spending time with my family before I am going to be preoccupied for a long time, so, and we've also obviously got trial prep, so I am not able to go, but I'm super jealous, it's going to be a great time. I went a couple of years ago in Chicago and I'll be going again once I've, I can free up my schedule. So, But do you want to get into this week's topic? I'll, I'll sort of introduce it and then we'll get going, okay? You good with that? Let's do it. All right. So here is the topic of the week. Jimmy and I each have five questions we're going to ask each other. We don't know what those questions are going to be, so we're just going blind. So without much more introduction than that, Jimmy, you want to go ahead? All right, and so I'm going to I'm going to flip the table on you a little bit. We are going to do exactly what you just said. We're going to ask each other the question, but when our opponent or the other person is done answering that question, then we have to answer that question that we asked ourselves. How do you like that? Deal, I like it. All right, let's get started. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Question number 1. If you had to point to an event or experience in your childhood or young adulthood that shaped who you are as a lawyer or signaled the lawyer you would become, what is it? If so I got to come up with one moment in my childhood. I mean, I'm not going to give you one moment in my childhood. I'm going to give you a series of moments because my dad, and this is going to be sort of hard to believe. But it's hard for me to believe, but it's actually, it's absolutely true. My dad gets up at like 4.30 every morning and then he doesn't do it anymore at night, but he still gets up at 4.30, but he would work 
and then he would come home, and then he would be up to like 10, 11, 12 at night working even more, and he would do it every single day. And I could never understand it. I mean, I would try to get up with him. I would try to stay up with him. Like, I don't know how it's physically possible for a human being to go on as little sleep as he, he did and as he has. But so I would say that I, I watched my dad work really, really hard every single day. And so I tried to mimic that. But I can tell you, I can't work as hard as my dad. I mean, I have tried. It is super hard to do. So I'd say that just work ethic. I think that's that's what I would point to. What about you? That's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about my dad too when I was writing this question. And, you know, you and I sit behind a desk all day and act like it's hard labor, but, you know, our dads were doing physical work. My dad would work a full-time job and then he would come home at night and he would build decks for people. So he would do it all by himself. He would engineer it. He would dig the ditches. He would, you know, um, put in the post holes and do everything himself. And so he would work like your dad, he would go to work early in the morning, come home, have dinner, and then he would work for three or four hours building decks for our neighbors. And that's sort of how he paid for us to go to private high schools. But the event I was going to talk about was um, when I was 15, he dropped me off at the corner of Clayton Road and Brentwood and said, Jimmy, don't come home until you have a job. And so I walked into Dillard's. They were getting ready to build the Galleria. And I walked into the personnel department and I met this guy and he hired me. He was like, do you want to work in security and you can stand outside and help people out to their cars uh, while they're doing this construction? I said, oh, yeah, sure, I can do that. So it just sort of set the tone for me. I'm I'm not afraid to try new things and sort of go outside my comfort area. And that's sort of something that sort of stands out for me. So it sounds like so your dad had two jobs. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much. He had a business on the side where he was just building decks for people. Yeah interesting so my both of our parents both of our dads had two jobs because so, what my dad's job was is he's a mechanic right and so he's always been a mechanic and he worked in cars but then his second job was he talked the dealer into allowing him to actually uh, clean the facility and he basically they got rid of the cleaning company and then they hired him and so his entire job and it's if you ever looked at a dealership those things are big so he spent a long time every night that's what he did he would go back to the dealership and clean the dealership that was his job so interesting both of our dads they both did some manual labor and they also had two jobs but uh all right let's get on to my first question and it is i'm gonna have to think about this now that now that you flip the table on me a little bit but how much would you sell your firm for and why oh that's a great question i don't think my firm is ready to be sold you know we've talked on this podcast before about one of my favorite books built to sell and about how it was an ad agency that was trying to do everything for everybody all kind of marketing and stuff and that he kept drilling down drilling down becoming more and more niched more and more focused to eventually to the point where he had systems built out to to just do logos and so people would come to him and offer him money to do other kinds of marketing and he would turn it down and i just think it's a great short little book that our friends who listen to the show should read. It'll really help you think of your business as the productization of, of the law and sort of making it much more systematic a lot of the ways that you have, Tyson. I don't think my firm's ready to be sold. I don't think it's going to be ready for a while. I think that it's a little bit too personality-based. But if you're asking me if I, you know, what I think it's worth, right now I think it's worth a lot. We're, our numbers are up. We're keeping really busy. I think that we would need a little bit more formality and some more systems and and sort of for me to step away from things. But that's really what I'm trying to work on anyway. So I just don't think I'm there yet. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. If I got to answer the question, I sort of, 
my firm is not for sale, but I'm through Infusionsoft. I'm technically selling what my firm does. So I'm not going to put that price on it. I, I think if I'm going to put a price on mine, I've got to take into consideration. We don't own any of the office spaces, so I can't really put that into the, into the as a factor. But we do have some brand recognition. We do have a large client base. We have you know, all, all the office equipment and everything else, and then the systems are set up. So I think, well, I know an attorney could actually walk into our firm and start practicing right away. I mean, I'm going to actually answer the question. I, and this is a complete ballpark, and I'm probably overestimating what my client base is worth. Because I know we have got some cases in the hopper that are probably, you know, some multi-million dollar cases, unless some things go really bad. I'd say I'd probably sell my firm. Part of the, and I'm, I'm going high. Is probably $10 million. The reason I'm saying that is because I don't want to sell my firm. My firm's probably not worth that, but I'd probably go there because I just don't want to sell it. So fair enough? $10 million. Man, I wouldn't give you 10 cents for your firm. I know. That's the thing. Like, I wouldn't sell That's the thing. I'm going way high because I don't want to sell my firm. So, but to walk away. So, this is just to walk away. So, someone said, hey, here's $10 million. Walk away from your firm. That's what I'd do. But other than that, I wouldn't. So, all right, get to your next question. Question number two, what is one thing that you are doing that you should stop doing? It's so funny. I have the exact same question for you. What's one thing that I, I am doing that I need to stop doing? Uh, and that's probably, and that's something that we are transitioning is into is the day-to-day handling of cases. My role at the firm is transitioning into more of a, kind of like a CEO role in a way. We're not calling it that, but I will be handling more of the, the planning, the strategy, what a CEO does, and then um, trying cases, because I don't want to give up trying cases. I think realistically, maybe that's one of the ones I should stop giving up, but I don't want to. I enjoy doing it too much. So the day, so the answer is the day-to-day activities. That's answering phone calls or returning phone calls or talking to adjusters, things like that. I just I need to stop doing that. So what's your answer? So this is what I'm going to talk at the Mastermind Group about. I wrote up, you know, John has us write up sort of what we're struggling with sort of for our, our hot seat segment. And yeah, this is totally me. I just need to get myself out of the day-to-day business of the law. And I know it's important. I know that there are still some cases that I'll probably have to hold on to. But you called me out a couple of weeks ago. We were on the phone just chatting, and I was working on a lawsuit. And you are like, why are you drafting a lawsuit? And I said, oh, because only I can do it. But if I sat down and took the time to build out the system to draft this kind of a lawsuit... It's actually pretty straightforward. It's just a matter of plugging in names and dates and sort of a limited number of events. And I could totally automate that and outsource it to other people. So I just really need to push these next six months on getting myself out of the day-to-day stuff. Mark my word. Whenever you go to this mastermind tomorrow, I'd say most of the people that are in that room are going to have the same problem you do. But there's going to be a couple that, that, that have found a way out of it. And hopefully Craig Goldenfarb's there because he's found his way out of that. I'm not sure if he's going to be there or not, but that guy's got to Seth has too. Yeah. So in, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Seth Seth definitely has too. So you need to listen to those guys for sure because I'd say most of the people there are going to have the exact same problem that you have. Okay, I'm excited about this. I'm curious to see what you're going to say. If you couldn't practice law, what would you do and why? If I was no longer a lawyer, I would go all in on Infusionsoft and I would teach people how to use it, and I would help businesses. You know, I love talking to people in all kinds of businesses, not just the law, and how to, you know, develop the before unit. That's sort of my bag. You know, you're definitely the during unit. But I love talking about 
you know, getting leads, conversion, all that stuff, how to do, you know, campaigns and marketing. And that's one thing I would do. The other thing I would do is I would write a novel. I have a couple of novels that I'd love to write in my head. And I would spend a lot more time writing. And I enjoy practicing law. I wouldn't want to leave it. I enjoy building something. So it would be a bummer for me to not be a lawyer anymore. But I could definitely keep myself busy. All right. So I have two answers. If I were to start all over again, right, this is where the one answer comes in. And this isn't, I love practicing law too. I wouldn't choose this over practicing law. But if I were to do it all over again and I couldn't practice law, then what I'd probably do is actually become an engineer and I'd become an engineer because of what you just said. I love building things, and I think you know that about me, and that's why I spend so much time with Infusionsoft, is I, I like to build things. So I would probably do that. But currently, if, if for like today, I just couldn't practice law anymore after, after already practicing law for several years, I would probably do something the same thing. Because you and I are both certified partners, and so it would be an easy transition. It allows us both to build things, and we can help other people build their law firm. So I think it would be a combination of consulting and then also diving deep into Infusionsoft. I'm already selling the campaigns, and so it's, 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 an, it's a natural transition for me, and I enjoy doing it. So I think it'd be a really easy one. So, all right, give me your next question. Number three, if you were not practicing criminal or PI law, what practice area would you choose? I don't practice criminal anymore, technically, because we're not bringing any new criminal cases, even though I just tried a federal case a couple weeks ago. So if I were to practice another practice area? Well, it would be something that I could streamline. It'd be something that I could easily automate. You have a practice area that is is actually something you could practice across the country, which I like that about it. Um, I don't really like in immigration. I'm not a big fan of um, not a big fan. Not that I'm a big fan. I'm not a big, I don't have a big interest in immigration law, so I don't think I'd want to do immigration, but I would like to do something that I could do across the country because that way I could sort of expand faster and target a bigger client base. That's a tough one. Um, you know what? I've got one. There is a vaccine court. Can I, can I use this even though it's not personal injury? There's a vaccine court um, in Washington, D.C., and so there are vaccine cases across the country. And so I consider this completely separate practice area from personal injury because most don't do it. It's federal. I would do vaccine court cases. That's what I'd do because I could sit in St. Louis or Columbia office, whichever one, and actually take cases across the country. They're all handled out of Washington, D.C. That's what I'd do. I would do vaccine court cases. <laughs> Boy, wow. That's pretty pretty narrow, Tyson, and pretty limited. I mean, any kind of federal litigation scheme, everyone I know has come across those things have really hated them. Anyway. If well, it were you're, me, you're in a federal, uh, you're in a federal litigation scheme, <laughs> and you love yeah. it. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I don't know. It's just hard to get my juices flowing for vaccination litigation. But whatever floats your boat. For me, um, I too would want something that I could do nationally. And I think that our friend Joey Vitale has an interesting thing going with trademark and copyright. I think that's something that's federal, that's nationwide. That you're helping people. It would allow us to use our creative expertise, and I think that that would be something interesting that I'd like to try. Man, he kills it, too. He's doing great. I agree with you. That's actually a really good one, too, but I doubt I would do something like that, just because you can't... You can systemize it, for sure, because you can systemize anything, 
but it just makes it more difficult to systemize. And so I guess if you did just trademarks or just patents or, or just something specifically in IP law, I think you could definitely streamline those, especially the applications and everything. But there's some other things that he does that I think may be a little more difficult to streamline. But I, that's a good one. I like it because it does get the juices flowing. So I've got a, the next one is for you. And I, I'm really excited to hear your answer to this one. Are you successful and why? Oh, yeah, I'm successful. And I don't mean to say that in a braggy way. I just, I have the law firm that I always wanted. I mean, I, I have my problems. I have the issues that I'm struggling with. But, you know, my tip of the week or my hack of the week is coming up. It's a, a book that I'm going to discuss. And one of the concepts he had in there is that so many people think that there's safety in having a job with a boss and a paycheck. And I was just relishing listening to that chapter of the book because you and I, you know, took risks on ourselves. We bet on ourselves and and knock on wood, so far it's paying off and, and we've built these lives. I mean, I get to practice with my wife now and we have this firm that, you know, she thought she had the most stable thing ever working in a law school and the law school had a lot of problems. So to be able to take her in and have her join the firm and make such an impact as she has and for us to be able to work together and and to work five minutes from home and be able to go see my kids at school whenever I want. And, you know, it's the, the money is like fifth on the list. It's just this lifestyle that I don't have a board of directors. I have to run my YouTube videos by. I, I can say whatever I want on Facebook Live or in a blog post. And and we're, we're making money and our message is resonating with people and we're we're really impacting people's lives. So yeah, I think in every which way, I feel like I've been successful. I, I certainly have plenty to learn and could do better in a lot of different things. But overall, I couldn't be more satisfied with the job that I have. So I can echo absolutely everything you just said. Same thing. I don't have a boss, right? I get to spend time with my family. I spend far more time with my family than I did whenever I was working for another guy. And that guy was a jerk. So well, things where I, I, I love my job. I love coming to work. I mean, here's the thing. You and I are sitting on the phone right now chatting about, you know, practicing law. I, we love it it's because we love doing it. So, absolutely, I was up till 1 o'clock last night working, not because I had to, because I wanted to. And so, uh, you and I, we get to do everything. It, it, we get to do what we want to. You know, we get, to, we get to market if we want to. We get to try cases if we want to. We get to, to practice law if we want to. We get to do what we want to do. And so, I, I, I agree with you. And we also get to spend time with our family. You and I both value that a lot. We value spending time with our family and we do that. So we have jobs that provide us with, with comfortable incomes that allow us to do those things. And so I could echo everything you said. So uh, I think that's a good answer. I'll right, get your next one. Number four, in the last two weeks, what percentage of your time spent working was performed doing work that you and only you could do? Oh, actually the majority of it. Because we started our 12-week goals yesterday, and so most of last week, I spent um, actually doing the goals. I spent a long time on these goals. So I'd say the majority of it, um, the what percentage, I'd say something like 55%, something like that, which is may not sound like a lot, but I think that's quite a bit now. And I'm counting for, there are things I could just completely cut out that I can't that I don't need to do. So I think I'm being fair by saying 55%. I think we spend most attorneys spend most of their weeks, and 95% of it is they are things that you shouldn't be doing that someone else should be doing. So I'd say probably 55% right around there. What about you? 
So this is the one question that I wanted to ask you and to not have to answer myself. Now, we did move last week, so things were a little bit hectic, and I was probably doing some, it's probably not a good week to check, but just generally, I'm doing way too many things that I don't need to be doing, and I really need to spend some more time doing what you've done, and that is really pushing things down and, you know, sort of what we preach about making sure that, you know, there's systems in place to do some of the routine things. I'm going to give myself a 20% on this one, and I, I really, this is this is going to be my focus for the next six months, or maybe my 12 weeks. Yeah, you've got to systemize, man. You've got to. Yeah, I know. I know you're working on it, but I think that that's that's going to relieve a lot of the pressure. Okay, so next question, though, we go on to the next one. What attorney inspires you the most? That's a great question. When I uh, graduated from college, I got hired to work at a law firm helping with a plaintiff's case, and I came across and met an attorney who's been my biggest mentor and a great friend. His name's John Simon. And John is one of like nine kids. His parents came from Lebanon back in the 60s. And they owned a fruit and vegetable stand at the Soulard Market. And I think all of their kids have college degrees, all nine of them. And most of them have advanced degrees. And John was one of the best bosses, probably the best boss I've ever had. Um, He's a very successful attorney in St. Louis. He's got his own firm. He has about 50 people working for him, but he's the most humble guy. When he used to win a case, he would leave court if the day was half over and he'd go down and work in the market with his dad for about a day and a half just to sort of ground himself. And John has great stories about, you know, living at the market when he was a kid and hustling and working. And I just learned a tremendous amount from him. Um, If I could ever be half as successful and half the lawyer that he is, I would consider myself to have done a very good job. That's a really good answer. That's a fantastic answer. And that's actually going to tie into a little bit what my answer is going to be because I didn't anticipate having to actually answer this question. But so I, I thought about, you know, I thought about John Fisher, you know, I thought about Seth Price, Craig Goldenfarb, you know, Mitch Jackson, things like that, people that, that might inspire me. And I thought about, thought about John Simon. Uh, John Simon is a phenomenal attorney. He's a great trial attorney, a great person. You introduced me to him. He's he's just an amazing guy. I'd say that John Simon is probably who I aspire to be. I'm not sure he's the guy that inspires me. That makes sense. He is an incredible guy, incredible attorney, and we actually model a lot of our practice to be like John Simon's firm. So that is, if I could be like him, that could be amazing, you know, because he's, he's just amazing. But I hate to admit this, but I'd say the person that inspires me the most, Jimmy, is probably you. And that's yes. probably be that's probably because you're gonna to want to clip this for the rest of your life. Uh it's because you push me probably more than anybody and you, you practice what you preach. So you get on here, you get on the podcast, you talk about things and you actually do them. And if you don't do them, you say it. So I, I think that, that I, I think what pushes me the most, who pushes me the most is probably you. So you probably put uh, force the most inspiration out of me. So I'd say my law partner has what Chris Finney does too quite a bit, but I'd say the person that probably does it the most is probably you. So I'll have to give you some credit for that. So you might want to clip this, save it, um, put it next to your pillow, and, and just sort of think about it overnight. So. Yes, this is so great because I do have one last question, and, and it's a zinger for you. I set, it, I set it up perfectly, and you've given me a great intro. Are you ready for it? Yep, go ahead. Question number five. A few months ago, you said on the podcast that you would be starting your weekly email newsletter the following week. Have you done it? And if not, why not? 
Oh, I knew this was coming. Gosh damn it. I actually anticipated this freaking question because you emailed me yesterday and you asked me about it. Why not? <laughs> I have I know. I'd say why not. I will say why not is because of the transition of the new firm. There's a lot of work. If you take two firms, you know, this is a big excuse, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. So this is an excuse. But you take two firms that are re- doing really well. And then would they have their own systems, their own employees, and you meld those firms together? It is substantially more work than what you will ever anticipate. And so we spent a ton of time trying to meld those two firms, and there was a big gap in us actually marketing things because we were coming up with logos, slogans, everything else. I mean, but it was, there was a big gap in actually from the time we actually started the firm to the time we actually started marketing again. So my excuse is the merging of the firm. However, Chris and I are working on one. So um, one is coming, I promise, but not yet. So that's a crappy answer, but that's my answer. That's all right. We'll take it. And you don't have to answer that question because you have a weekly uh, newsletter. So That's what's all a great right. one to end with. Yeah, get to your hack of the week. My hack of the week is a great book I just started. Um, I'm about a third of the way through. It's called Content Inc. by a guy named Joe Paluzzi. And he talks about, you know, building an audience first, how that's the key to any business's success. And he says that within the content realm, you're going to like this a lot, that the greatest indicators of success for people that use content for marketing are a written content calendar and regularly reviewing that written content calendar. So pick up that book. It's a good book. And if you can, start working on your content calendar. It's something we've been talking about a lot on the Facebook group. And I think that that's something that I'm going to implement very shortly. If people want to uh, email us or put on the Facebook page that you know they want a sample of a content calendar, I gave one out. Do you remember that a couple of years ago when we spoke? to those attorneys and we, I actually gave out a content calendar and I even mapped out some key holidays that were not, not your typical holidays throughout the entire year for, I think that was 2015. So it was, we did it in 2014, 2015 is whenever uh, it was what the calendar was for. If people message me, I'll try and find that and I'll give that out to everybody. So the actual dates are going to be a little bit different, but the holidays will still be there. And I, I've got a spreadsheet I can share too. So people reach out to us. I can, do that with the content calendar. So that's a good one. Um, my tip of the week is a book, and this is a gift from Larry Weinstein that he sent to me, and I've been reading through it. It's really good. It's by Stephen Wosner, and it's Profitable Podcasting. Grow your business, expand your platform, and build a nation of true fans. So our tips and hacks sort of build off each other uh, with your book. So it's more about building, you know. So this guy's really good. He gives scripts and things like that. It's really, really good. Uh, I definitely think you should use it. I haven't used really much of what I've read in it in today's podcast because it's a little different podcast. But, Jimmy, I'll let you see this once I'm done reading it, but it's a really good book. Sounds good, brother. All right, man. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, and we'll check you out next week. See you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, Go to MaximumLawyer.com Have a great week and catch you next time.